Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Amy. I'm the rector here at Incarnation. Thanks to everyone who brought items forward representing the place of your life and labors. Thanks to our kids who helped bring those items forward as well. And if you haven't heard it already, today is Rogation Sunday. And in fact, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week are Rogation Days. And that word rogation comes from the Latin word that just means to ask. And for about 1,500 years, these have been these traditional days that we ask for God's blessing on a particular place. It's this reminder every year that our place matters. And there is this old church custom called beating the bounds, where the priest and the parishioners would take these long willow sticks and they would walk the boundaries of the church's land. So we could imagine ourselves maybe walking the Columbia Pike Corridor, maybe dipping into some of the neighborhoods. We don't own this land, but sort of our spiritual boundaries. And they would use these sticks to beat the bounds of the land. And along the way, they would pray for whatever they encountered around that perimeter, fields and gardens, homes, hospitals, schools, everything that is within the parish boundaries. It's sort of the outdoor, spread out, dispersed version of what we brought into the gym this morning. And it's this way of getting a particular place and its boundaries, almost creating a mental map, but not just in their heads, in their feet, in their hands, in their bodies. And it was really important as part of this beating the bounds that they included little children in these processions. And not just because kids love swatting sticks around and hitting things, but also because they wanted the memory of these boundaries and this place to live for as long as possible. They wanted a really strong and enduring sense of place. And so it was this way of saying, this is the patch of earth where God has placed us to worship and to live and to work and to tend. This is the place we are asking for God's blessing. This is the place where we are called to bear fruit. And the writer Dallas Willard has written that God has yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. So these are days that just help us pay attention to where we actually are. They remind us that our life with God is not about escaping our physical, embodied, everyday life in the neighborhood with all of its constraints and its limitations. It's not about transcending all that to some higher spiritual plane. It's about experiencing God's life in our life right here in this life, in these bodies, in this place. And we hear that in our reading from Acts 17, where the Apostle Paul is talking to the people of Athens, and these are people of a very particular place and culture. Frankly, they're people who worship idols, so many that they don't have names for all of them. They make sacrifices to these idols in exchange for more intellect and power and influence. <laughs> It's a city whose entire architecture has been built up as monuments to this idolatry. So it probably sounds a little familiar to us who live in this city. And Paul's response to the people of Athens is really interesting. He takes their altar to the unknown God, and he uses it as a signpost. He says this is actually pointing toward the one true God, 
who is present and active right here, right where you actually are. And he even quotes their own poets and philosophers back to them to do this. So listen again. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands. He himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. He made all peoples to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the boundaries of their dwelling places so that they would search for God and perhaps fumble about for him and find him. I've always loved that phrase at the end. A lot of you know I didn't grow up in the church. I became a Christian as an adult. And when I look back on my life before then, I see so much of that fumbling about, searching for God, and perhaps, and in fact, in reality, I did find him. But I love that Paul doesn't denounce these Athenians as these hopeless idolaters. They are fumblers who need a signpost. And he doesn't look out at their city, at their physical place, with all its pagan shrines and all its false worship, and say, burn it down, drain the swamp, there is no God here. Instead, Paul says, God made this place. He made everything in it. He made each one of you and gives you every breath you use. He even made every raw material you have used to make all these idols and all these shrines. And God has put you here in this pagan city. He has appointed the boundaries of your dwelling place. And why? So that you would search for God and perhaps find him. And there's a line in a poem by Wendell Berry that says there are no sacred or there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. And I think that's what Paul is getting at here. Athens may be this desecrated and idolatrous place, but God is here. The creator of the world has entered his desecrated creation in the person of Jesus. And then starting in Jesus' own flesh, through his death and resurrection, God is renewing his creation. The desecrated place is becoming a sacred place. And our gospel text from John picks this idea up, but in a very different way, in very different language. Paul is talking to these sophisticated pagan city dwellers, so he uses the language of poetry and philosophy. But Jesus is talking to Jewish country folk, so he uses the language of gardening, of vines and vine dressers. And he tells his listeners, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, in Jewish tradition, the vine was a picture of God's people. The Hebrew prophets used this image a lot, how God brought a grapevine out of Egypt, he transplanted it into the promised land, and he protected it and established it and cultivated it so that it would be fruitful, so that it would be a blessing in this new place to everyone around them. It didn't always go quite that way. But when Jesus says he's the true vine, it's a bit like Paul pointing to that altar of the unknown God in Athens and telling them about its true identity. Jesus is saying, this thing you have been looking and longing for is here, in your midst, 
In my flesh, in me, I am the fulfillment of all God's promises and purposes for his people and for the world. I am the true vine. But interestingly, this passage comes actually around the table. It's part of what sometimes gets called the farewell discourse in John. This is after the Last Supper, where Jesus has just talked about his body being broken as bread and his blood being poured out as wine. He is still sitting around the tables with his disciples when he talks about this vine. And soon they will get it. Soon they will see Jesus crushed and pressed and poured out for them in death. They'll see the truest purpose and distillation of this true vine. But here, they don't know that. Jesus is preparing them for what's next. He's giving them a picture to help them interpret what's happening at his death. But he's also preparing them for their life together afterward for lives that are still intimately connected to his life, even more than they are now sitting around that table with him. And Jesus uses two images to talk about that connection, abiding and pruning. And both of these images are about keeping their life and our life close to his life. Abiding is our work of remaining and staying as close as we can to the life of Jesus. We hear and follow his words to us. We find our life in his life, in his kingdom, in his ways, more and more and more over a lifetime of practice. Abiding is our work, but we're often not very good at it. I'm not very good at it. And that's why we also need God's work. We need a vine dresser. God himself will help us to abide He will help us stay close. He will help us to be fruitful. And God's work is pruning. So I did some reading this week about pruning vines. Probably the first and last time in my life that I've perused Decanter magazine. It's really delicate business. Pruning vineyard vines is so slow. It is so careful and so intimate. The vine dresser's hands are never closer to the vines than when he's pruning. And it's often leaf by leaf, grape by grape, branch by branch, trying to give everything on the vine exactly what it needs at every time of the day. And I thought it was really interesting to learn that pruning vines is actually about limiting their yield. It's not about getting as much as you can out of this vine. A good vine dresser actually doesn't want the vine to produce too many grapes or for it to spread over too far of an area. The life of the vine is at its best when it is limited. That's how the fruit becomes its most concentrated, most full, and it makes the best and most flavorful wine. And that's also what creates this unique quality of wine, and you're going to have to forgive my pronunciation because I am from Texas, But this quality called terroir, it's this word that means in French that great wine tastes like its place. That wine tastes like the place where the vine grows, where it is well tended. It's the distillation and the concentration 
of all the growing conditions of that place, and that's a work of pruning. The pruning of God in our lives invites us to keep our lives little and local and focused right here where we actually are. To see this place, this place, and all of these places as the places God is making us fruitful. This is the place where God is tending us, where God is helping us to abide, where he's making our fruit its most concentrated and full. And the way Jesus describes that fullness is that we abide in the love that he and his Father have for one another and that our joy may be full. So in closing, I just want to ask a few questions. I invite you to consider. Where are you abiding in Jesus? And if you're not sure, a clue might be joy. And where are you not abiding? Where have you maybe grown a little bit far off of the vine? And the clues might be joylessness, lovelessness, a life that feels sprawled out or tangled. Where might you benefit from yielding to our gentle gardener's pruning knife? Or maybe you're already experiencing something that feels like pruning. Maybe your life is actually feeling quite limited and constrained. Maybe you feel like you are bumping up against boundaries at every turn. So I invite you to ask God, how might I be good fruit and poured out wine even right here in this place? Let me pray. Jesus, you are the true vine. We want to abide in you. We want more of your life in our life. Help us to yield to your hand. Help us imagine fruitfulness in whatever our place is. Give us signposts to see you. Make our desecrated places sacred places. Amen.